In this podcast episode of Board Agenda, we focus on the issue of ethics in the workplace and discuss the findings of a new global survey which finds that pressure on employees to compromise standards has increased significantly during the pandemic in the US and in 10 other countries around the world, including the UK. The study is from the Ethics and Compliance Initiative and we discuss the findings with their Chief Executive, Patricia Hyde. Hello and welcome to the latest Board Agenda podcast. In this programme, we talk ethics, a perennial worry for business leaders, regulators and academics alike. A recent global survey reveals the pressure among employees to compromise standards has risen, as has levels of misconduct. The report from the Ethics and Compliance Initiative, a US think tank, makes for a worrying read. With us to discuss the findings is ECI Chief Executive, Patricia Harnard. Patricia, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's good to have you with us. I'll go straight into our first question. Your report says, and I quote, the workplace is a pressure cooker right now for employees in the US and around the world. What exactly were your findings in your survey? We found that there is significant increases in pressure in two different ways, both of them troubling. So uh, just a little bit of background. One of the reasons we ask about pressure is that the more employees say they feel pressure, the more likely it is that they will also say that they observe misconduct happening around them. So pressure is a very good proxy for any organization looking to see where are our risks, where is their misconduct happening. In this survey, we fielded it in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, People had already been through massive transition. And one of the things that we found was that more people, 44% of employees globally said, they feel more pressure now during the pandemic than they ever have. But also we ask, do you feel pressure to actually cut corners to do your job? And we found a 47% increase over the last time we we measured that number through this study. So it's worrisome that people feel more pressure in general, but the fact that Overall, 30% of employees in the U.S. and similar numbers in 10 different countries around the world felt that they had to cut corners in order to do their jobs. So what do we think has been happening as a result of the pandemic? I I assume that we saw slightly worse figures year on year um, than, uh, uh, than before. Yes. And typically when we ask about especially pressure to compromise standards, that's not a number that changes too terribly much year over year. But all of a sudden in the last version of this study, the last time we asked that question was in 2017. But we think that this jump is very directly tied to all of the things happening around us in terms of the pandemic and the economic downturn, um, and certainly lots of social issues happening around us. But most people are feeling the pressure to work more hours. They're feeling the pressure to keep their jobs. Um, And that translates into pressure to cut corners just to make sure that they're still employed and to make sure they're meeting their performance goals. And as if you think about some of the biggest scandals that have happened in among corporations, 
pressure to cut corners was all has almost always been a common denominator. People feel like either they're incentivized, the incentives require them to break the rules or uh, because there is so much pressure for them to keep their jobs or to meet expectations, they start to compromise the standards of the organization. That was going to be my question. Do we know whether this is managerial pressure or whether this is self-imposed pressure because people are feeling uh, uncertain about the future? Interestingly, the people that said that they feel the most pressure are managers from top management to middle managers and first line supervisors. Not that rank and file employees are not feeling that pressure, but um, so, so the population that was most likely to say they feel that way tend to be in leadership roles. But that said, where we see people um, saying that I feel like I might have to break the rules to do my job, it's generally because of performance expectations or a relationship with somebody in a management position over them that causes that undue stress. So it's a it's a tricky combination of both. And do, do we have any idea how the C-suite is feeling about these issues as well? So top managers generally, when when we we've been doing this study since 1994, we field it every now we field it every year. In the past, it was a little less frequent, but one of the things that has been very common is that the higher you are in an organization the more likely you are to be positive about how much risk are we incurring? How much, how strong is our culture? Are people generally engaged and happy and feeling valued? And yet during this pandemic time, we also found that very senior people, top leaders were more likely to be observing misconduct. They were more likely to to report it and bring it forward. Um, So I think that what we can draw from all of that is that on the one hand, senior leaders tend to think it's things are pretty good for our employees. We're doing a lot to support them and value them, especially during this, this difficult time. But without question, they're feeling the effects of uh, performance pressures for their organizations, the, the need to be responsive to a lot of things happening outside of the company, and it's showing up in the extent to which they're feeling pressure. Now, looking at the report, we seem to, and going back over what we've just talked about, we seem to have a dual development. There is rising pressure on employees to compromise their ethical standards, climbing levels of misconduct. Yet, the report also notes that reporting of poor behaviour is also rising. So how, how do we untangle that in terms of describing what's happening in workplace culture? It was one piece of very good news in this in this entire report. When we do these studies, we check five major trends that we, we hope are going to improve, and reporting is certainly one of them. Um, one of the things that we saw was a 20% rise in the percentage of people who told us that they, first of all, they observed some sort of wrongdoing in their workplace, but they also reported it. And the number is very impressive. So 86% of people who witnessed some kind of wrongdoing or, or was aware of some kind of wrongdoing brought it forward somehow to management. That number we've seen over the years in this research 
Reporting is a reflection of company efforts to, first of all, make a a resource available, a helpline, hotline, some sort of mechanism for people to feel comfortable and know there's a way to report wrongdoing. But interestingly, we also know that only about 5% of people actually use a hotline or a helpline, the anonymous system that's in place. It's really about management's efforts to communicate that they want people to come forward. So what that number is telling us is that companies are doing a better job, especially right now, in encouraging people to raise concerns, to come forward to ask questions if they're not sure about something that's going on around them. Um, And so so that's a very good piece of, uh, of news, especially from a board position, if there's if you can have comfort that 86% of your people on average are going to raise concerns, that's a that's a good number to have. But to go off on a tangent, um, there's been other recent research recently uh, about whether to whether it's best to have internal or external reporting systems. Do you, do you get any sense of what works best from the information that you have? In terms of where people are directed in a formal channel, it is best to have a third party system in place. There is something about the communication to employees that there is an independent entity that will receive your report, that will gather the information, perhaps do a little bit of initial intake that helps people to feel like if I need an anonymous mechanism or a confidential mechanism, it's truly outside the company. That said, a lot of organizations can't afford it, don't want to afford it. It is effective to have a helpline system. But the biggest thing about that, it is that most important is to have a system in place where people can go online, they can pick up a phone, increasingly they can send a text to report wrongdoing. But it's also essential to know that most of your reports within the company are not actually going to come through that system. So we have found organizations that have third-party or even internal reporting systems have more reporting but the reporting still isn't coming through that system. It's just the safety net of it. So the other piece of it is that companies need to have systematic ways to make sure that managers know what to do when they receive a report of wrongdoing because they are most likely to receive reports. And if there isn't a system in place to escalate that, then you're unaware of about 95% of reports that are coming to your company. And what kind of differences did the report reveal between countries? Because it covered quite a number of different jurisdictions. Yes, there are actually um, some fairly significant differences when you look at different countries around the world. On average, uh, the global median for employee reporting is still 81% of employees, which is really impressive. And that number globally, the number I was saying earlier, 86%, which was a 20% rise, is based on U.S. data. And that's that's simply because that's the biggest data set because we have been fielding this survey for so long. That's That's the number we tend to report first. But the global median is still positive. There are significant country differences. So, for example, in India, 97% of employees who observe wrongdoing said they reported it 
within their organization. But compare that to Russia, where only 64% of employees said they brought concerns forward. China, another area where I know a lot of companies are doing business, 77% of employees um, said that they reported suspected wrongdoing. So there are some significant variances. Um, Generally speaking, Brazil, Russia, India, China tend to be the countries that are the biggest outliers, both positively and negatively. Um, But overall, still, the fact that we're seeing reporting increase is a good sign. And do we have any way of explaining those differences? Cultural cultural differences? Oh, sure. I I think the biggest thing, the biggest factor has to do with cultural differences within countries. And um, there have been a lot of studies outside, not ECIs, but sociology and organizational psychology studies that have looked at employees' attitudes about authority And the more there is a top-down, bureaucratic, very strict, very structured conception of authority, the less likely there is to be reporting in the organization. Um, So I think that that could be a significant factor. Um, But that said, the new EU whistleblower directive, I think, um, is, is something to for that we will be paying attention to. There have been more movements around the world to make sure that there are protections in place for employees who come forward to report that I think may be changing that dynamic. You mentioned a very interesting observation about hierarchical organizations perhaps being more susceptible to um, wrongdoing. Is that is that the case in any country? So if you are very hierarchical in the US or the UK or France, you're still more susceptible to suffer from ethical lapses. I think the hierarchical relationship is a big driver in reporting. Um, to, To what extent, and certainly if you have a company where there is not high levels of reporting or an environment where people feel like they can raise concerns, you do end up having more people Um, engaging in wrongdoing because there is an accountability for it. Um, That said, I do want to be careful because every organization is unique. The culture is unique. And so there certainly are examples of uh, corporations that have a very hierarchical structure, and yet there is an environment where people are willing to come forward. The driver of that is usually the influence of an immediate supervisor, the tone coming from the middle and the first line supervisors who, despite the fact that this might be a very structured organization where things are driven from the top down, there are supervisors who are still encouraging people to voice their views, to raise their concerns, and they give them an outlet to do that. So so as much as I think that 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 hierarchical structure seems to be a big trend. Um, it is the case that there are lots of exceptions to that rule. Now, returning to this observation that there seem to be dual developments, rising levels of misconduct and rising levels of reporting. The, your, your report says that if this continues, things might reach some sort of breaking point. And that's a very dramatic statement. And I wonder what that means and what it would look like. 
we try to do a little bit of forecasting every time we look at these trends because we do it periodically and we try to take into account the global environment. Um, and so a couple of things have made us conclude that there is great risk for corporations right now. Um, misconduct is rising. It didn't seem to rise significantly right now, but we've also seen that misconduct sort of lags behind some of the other, the other metrics that we look at. One of the things that we know is that even though when, when there are high levels of retaliation against employees who report wrongdoing, that tends to actually affect the culture of an organization. And unfortunately, this time, when we looked at that metric, um, retaliation against these people who are coming forward is off the charts. There was a 44% increase in the, in the number of people who said, I reported and then something happened to me because of it. Um, because of that, when retaliation reaches high levels, right now, 79% of people say, I've experienced retaliation. That has a silencing effect on the culture of an organization. And once the culture starts to diminish, to weaken, because employees are no longer willing to tell you about potential or suspected wrongdoing, that has a significant Im impact not only on risk for noncompliance, but also on employee engagement, their willingness to stay. Um, and then the last dimension of this, when we looked at all of the, the landscape of what we saw in this data, people are feeling more pressure. Even though they're willing to report, they're experiencing more retaliation than ever for having done so. The extent to which organizations are really building strong cultures where people feel protected and encouraged is not increasing. It's sort of plateaued. But the other very, very significant number that we have seen is that the more an organization goes through a transition, the more likely it is that the organization is at risk. And we have seen more employees saying, my company has had leadership changes, we've had mergers and acquisitions, reductions in the workforce, changes in my work hours. All of those things translate into greater pressure, greater misconduct, less reporting, more retaliation. We know that we're not through the pandemic yet, unfortunately. Um, and even as we do get control and conquer COVID-19, I think we are going to have to transition back to whatever a new normal looks like. So from the employee perspective, we're not done with transition. Every transition helps, makes people feel unsettled, makes them feel like they are feeling more pressure. And that's why taken together, it's a worrisome outlook. I'll come back to the transition, if you don't mind, but clearly retaliation is a, is a critical issue. Just, just tell us, what's the range of behaviour that we're talking about when we talk about retaliation? What's the, where is it most subtle and where is it most extreme? The majority of employees, about a quarter of employees who experienced retaliation said other employees intentionally ignored me or began treating me differently. My supervisor, similar numbers said my supervisor ignored me or began treating me differently. 
um, where I was given an unfavorable work assignment where they perceived that they were. The challenge for organizations is that most retaliation that people perceive they've experienced tends to be very subtle and it can be social in nature. Um, And that can be very difficult to not only investigate, but substantiate and then hold people accountable for. But the reality is people who come forward um, feel that they're just the people around them are excluding them from work activity, um, some some types of retaliation are very overt, like people stole items from me or there was damage to my property, but that's only about 10 or 11% of people. The vast majority of it is social. So what do you, how do you manage that? There are some best practices that are emerging when it comes to retaliation prevention. One of them is to, first of all, if your code of conduct in your organization does not list retaliation as a type, as a violation of your organization's values and standards, add it because it should be communicated to employees that if you retaliate against somebody who has has come forward to report, we will hold you accountable for that. But also organizations are increasingly implementing efforts to follow up with employees who come forward to report, um, to check in, to see how they're doing. Have there been changes in how things are going? And also you can't count on employees if they come forward to report and experienced retaliation for having done so. You can assume they're probably not gonna come forward to tell you they've been retaliated against. So another best practice is for organizations to just monitor the progress of those employees. Are they getting raises? Are they getting promotions? Have they been moved to a different location? And what was the reason for that? Monitoring that activity and then touching base with them to say, we've noticed some changes, want to check in, is a very helpful way to both protect those employees, but it's also very interesting to see once you take on those kinds of efforts and explain to your employees that you have those programs in place, more people will feel comfortable coming forward to report. You gain a reputation with your workforce that this company will not tolerate retaliation and we're looking out for it and we will hold people accountable if it happens. Now, you talked about a transition. You're quite right. Many countries UK and the US are not out of the pandemic yet, but what what do we expect from business ethics in the future? Can we expect some form of permanent change as a result of the pandemic? Are we learning as a result of the pandemic? I think it is a given that business ethics will change for multiple reasons, but not the least of which is that the this time that we have been in Um, has, as an industry, my observation is that practitioners are spending a great deal of time looking at employee reporting, not just from an internal, what are the factors that are driving people to come forward, but also looking at the environment in which the organization is operating. How is that affecting employee reporting? But we're also thinking about culture very differently. Um, Because no longer is culture limited to people in a building, people on a job site in a physical location. We're now connected virtually. And so we're having to think differently about 
How do we help people continue to feel connected and engaged? How do we communicate differently about the importance of our values and our standards? So I do think um, in terms of what the ethics and compliance expectation and the role of that will be in corporations will really be to think ahead of, hopefully ahead of businesses as we're looking at what's the new normal and how do we make sure we're communicating to people and tending to the culture. Are you optimistic about the future? I I wonder what um, our new hybrid forms of working will do to ethics, whether it will, you know, if we're working from home more often, whether we'll report wrongdoing more often, whether we might be tempted to behave badly more often, or do you think, you know, working from home more might have a, 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 um, a positive effect? I am optimistic about the future. Of course, I'm, I'm very, very concerned, especially as you look around the world and the struggles that people are face, still facing with the pandemic and what that can potentially mean for business whether we're looking at, future, again, repeating some of the really hard cycles that we've already been through. But that said, a couple of other things I think are happening around us that, to me, I think will enrich what companies do, make the workplace more valuable for a lot of employees. So, for example, in the middle, despite the pandemic, despite all the things that have been happening and the pressures people are feeling, where we're having more of a global dialogue about social justice, about <clears throat> you know um, treatment of employees' human rights around the world. Companies are increasingly having to think about what is their role in society. And as we're seeing, there's a generational difference too in employees as we're seeing the next generation coming into our workplaces, rising into leadership positions. They are very motivated by doing the right thing and working for a company that is doing the right thing. And I'm optimistic because I think that that is going to change the way we think about the workplace, what it's capable of, but it's also going to change employees' engagement in our cultures. And that makes a very big difference in terms of productivity and employee satisfaction um, and, frankly, the bottom line. Well, on that optimistic note, Patricia, thanks very much for joining us in this program. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, And thank you to listeners and join us again soon for the next edition of the Board Agenda podcast. Thank you and goodbye. That was a podcast brought to you by Board Agenda. For the latest thinking about corporate governance, and to access a complete online resource for boards and directors. Register or log on at boardagenda.com. Thanks for listening.